Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed, and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. Listen, this morning, the Lord's really, the Lord's put a word on my heart, which I'm excited to teach into, but I want you to know I'm, I'm, a, little out of, I'm a little out of my comfort zone here because I've got a PowerPoint. I know, right? And I've got one of these things. I've got a clicker. Now, normally what happens is I write down stuff that the Lord's put on my heart. I get up and I preach and I go where the Lord leads me. And then these guys like Katie at the back just have to try and keep up as best they can. Today, I'm sort of trying to do that myself. So just be gentle and patient with me. If the slides go wrong, that's okay. But I want to to teach this morning into something uh, because... You guys know that on Thursday nights, once a month on a Thursday night, we've been doing some leadership training specifically for those who are wanting to grow in their leadership. And the Thursday just gone, I did a teaching in this idea of calling. Everyone say calling. And looking at what is calling. How do we, effectively that question of, how the heck do I know what I'm supposed to do with my life? Um, and in, the, in preparing that and in presenting that and working through some of the stuff with the people that were there on Thursday, it just became increasingly clear that this was more than a Thursday night teach, but it needed to be a Sunday morning preach, amen? And uh, as we chatted with people after, there's a sense that, that that's something that's not just for a small group of people who want to grow as leaders. It's actually, it's a discipleship word in season for this church. And so that's what we want to do today, is we want to dive into this idea of calling. What is calling? How do I know what I'm supposed to do with my life? Can I have a show of hands? Has anyone here ever asked that question and sat down with the Lord and said, what the heck do I do next? Anybody? Now just take a moment and look around. You're not alone. (laughs) You're not alone. I think at one point, or another, we all ask that question. Heck, for me, this has been something that has been a constant question in my life over and over and over again. Even from, the, from my university days when I was studying some science at uni and then all my mates were going on and doing something else, I was like, what the heck am I gonna do now? And wound up in education and studying education and doing some theology and everyone's going down the line of teaching. I'm like, well, I just love this theology stuff. I love the ministry stuff. I love the teaching stuff. What do I do, Lord? Am I called to be that? Am I called to be this? What do I do? And I was like asking that question. And I've had a few moments in my life where I've had a little bit of peace in that. I remember even in my first year, I have this vivid memory where I was sitting on a kayak at a year nine camp, literally saying to God, all right, God, I'm doing the teaching thing, but when's the next step? What's the next thing? When are you calling me into the next thing? You know, ministry's on my heart. When's that gonna happen? And I'll never forget sitting on a kayak as a bunch of year nine boys paddled a raft across a lake singing SpongeBob SquarePants because of some success they were having. And I felt, it wasn't the audible voice, but clear as a bell, just the thought came, this is your ministry. And so for a few years, I was like, cool, breathe. (laughs) Just serve here. But the truth is that within a couple of years, that gnawing came back. All right, Lord, what's next? What are you calling me to? And it's just been this constant journey of what 
am I supposed to do with my life? And I shared with the leadership guys on Thursday night that for me, a turning point in this was when um, someone who some of you in this room know, who used to be an elder at our Allgate campus, has now moved to a different part of South Australia. But he came up to me with a book in his hand and he said, Dave, I sense that you're wrestling. I pray that this helps. And it was a book titled, Just Do Something. And the premise is basically sometimes we spend so much time wondering and worrying about what we should do that we forget to do the thing we're called to do right in front of us. And so we end up doing nothing instead of something. And he just gave me this book and said, I hope it helps. And it did. And the reason it was helpful is it it really started me, I'm going to use that word again, journey, started me on a journey of discovering the biblical meaning the biblical principle of calling. What is calling? Because I think we grossly misunderstand it in the church. I think we think of it as this ethereal thing which sits out here and unless we hear an audible voice of God which lights up our path with stars and you know flaming like fireworks, we're like, that's where I'm supposed to go. And we just get so confused and torn up about it. But when we understand the biblical picture of calling, it brings peace. And it actually takes us from a place of worry to a place of worship. I don't know about you, I don't want to spend my days in worry. I want to spend my days in worship because when I spend my days in worry, I'm stressed. But when I spend my days in worship, I'm rested. Anyone want to walk in rest? I don't know about you, I want to walk in rest. And understanding a biblical picture of calling will help us in that. And so I'm praying today's helpful. Today will be a little different. It's going to be a bit teachy. We're going to have a practical opportunity at the end of this to respond. Um, but I'm excited for what God's going to do, yeah? So Lord, speak. Your servants are listening. Let your word go out as Joel prayed. What's of me? Let it fall to the ground. What's of you? Let it rise and let it just manifest in our hearts today. Lord, we pray in your name. Amen. How many of you know that uh, God's gifts and His call are irrevocable? So what the Bible says, God's gifts and His call are irrevocable, which means they cannot be taken away. It means that they're not, you know, if God's gifted us and God's called us to something, that is true and it is strong and it is firm. Do we actually believe that though? God's gifts and His call are irrevocable. So let's look at this idea. Let's dive in. We're going to look at calling. Now, Calling. In the Greek, everyone say Greek. The Greek word for calling that you will see in Scripture over and over again is this word. It is the word klesis. Everyone say klesis. So that's the Greek word for the concept of calling. And it comes out of the Greek, the root word, which is kaleo. Everyone say kaleo. And that is a, is a word which flows from a Hebrew word, an ancient Hebrew word, which is korah, everyone say korah. And here's the thing, all of these words have this deep meaning that they, they speak into the idea of being summoned or invited. So it's this sense of I am summoned or invited into something. But here we often think it's just invited into a thing that we do. 
But that's where the biblical picture is so, so different, right? Because it's so much more than just something we do. It's actually an invitation into a commitment or a covenant. And at the deepest level, this word, this Hebrew word actually means an invitation into, watch this, a new name. Now, some of you just went, hmm, because you understand that what a new name means in the biblical context. Some of you were just like, who cares? Because now we've got people naming their kids, you know, all sorts of random things and no one cares. But in a biblical setting, a name is significant because a name speaks to identity. You missed it. A name speaks to identity, therefore a calling is a, an invitation into a covenant of naming. That God, if He calls, it is Him committing. It's a covenant. It's not just a thing that's here today and gone tomorrow. It is Him saying, I am good to my word. I am committing to invite you into a new identity. When the Bible talks about call, it's saying, I'm bringing you into a new understanding of who you actually are. So when we talk about calling, we're not just talking about something we do, we're talking about a revelation of who we are, which overflows into a response with our actions. Are you with me? This is the biblical picture of calling and it, and it lands in three phases. We're gonna talk about these three phases and roll onto it. Again, biblically speaking, we're gonna cover a lot of text today. We're gonna to go through the Bible a bit. But when we look at the three phases of calling, the first phase is actually a phase of worship. Calling begins with worship. What is worship? Worship is actually God calling us and us responding to Him. Worship is where God calls us out, again, invites us into a new covenant identity. We see this all through Scripture. We see it right from Genesis. What does God do? God creates because He's a creator. He creates Adam. He invites Adam into a relational walk with him. He gives him responsibilities as a part of that. But it's like, I want you to journey with me. I want you to walk with me. I want you to be with me. This is your identity, a child of God. Now, of course, we know the story. Those of you who have been in church for a while, you understand what does humanity do? We make mistakes. We sin. We walk away. What does God do? Does He turn His back on the sinner and say, stuff you, leave it to yourself, I'm off? I'm gonna go hang out with Michael and Gabriel for a while. What does he do? He covers their sin. He covers their nakedness. How? With animal skins. What's the inference? Come on, somebody. Sacrifice. That a price has to be paid for sin. I'm gonna cover you. And it's right there in that moment, it's a prophetic word about the way that God's gonna interact with humanity and bring about His purpose, bring about His calling to a new covenant identity. Come on, somebody. I know it's Sunday morning, but this is good teaching. <laughs> we see this again as it goes on. We see Cain and Abel. What happens? 
Cain sins. They lo- Adam and Eve lose a son. But watch, at the end of chapter four, it says that they have another son. That son's name is Seth. Do you know Seth means appointed one? Do you know who comes from the line of Seth? Read it in the book of Luke. The Messiah, Jesus Christ. And so again, we see this picture that he is, going to, he is going to deal with the sinfulness of humanity through an appointed one who will be the Messiah. That he is going to take the, he's going to initiate. He is going to be the one who calls us, draws us, takes the first step to bring us to himself. And we have an option. We have a choice in that moment. Will we respond or will we not? Will we see Him for who He is? Will we catch the, re- the revelation of God or will we not? And at the end of Genesis chapter 4, this beautiful phrase says this, after, so Seth had a son and he, so it's like Seth, you know, initiated this, this new line. And then it says, at that time, people began to call, everyone say call, call on the name of the Lord. It's not them just doing this, Lord, Come hither. That's not, it, it's them responding. It's this, I'm gonna call, I'm gonna worship you. I'm gonna humble myself before you. I'm gonna submit to you out of response to what you have done for me. And of course, we see us continuing to spiral out as we do, as humanity do. It's this beautiful picture over and over and over again, all through the scripture of God pursuing people. Let me throw a few at you. Just, just so you know, I'm not making this stuff up. Isaiah 65.1, God speaking, I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. I was found by those who did not seek me. To a nation that did not call on my name, I said, here I am, here I am. That's God pursuing His people. It's Him taking the action. We see in the New Testament, uh, 2 Thessalonians 2, 13 and 14. But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because God chose you. I love it when people say, I found God. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. God found you. And He softened your heart and He drew you unto Himself. Yeah? Come on, somebody. Is anyone here glad that God found you? That God took you out of the miry clay. We looked at this the other week. He set my feet upon a rock. I didn't set my feet upon a rock. He set my feet upon a rock. He found me and drew me out and saved me through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our Gospel, through the Gospel of Jesus Christ, that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus. Let me give you one more. 2 Timothy 1.9. He has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we have done, but because of His own purpose and grace. Praise God. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Oh, there's a lot of meat on that bone. But it has now been revealed through the peering of our Saviour, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the Gospel. God acts, we respond. That is the first phase of calling. Second phase, I'm gonna call this election. Now let's not get caught up on the theological debate that everyone loves to have about predestination and election. By election, what I'm meaning is this 
this acceptance of my new nature. Faith in Christ resulting in my new identity. Yeah, it is that response. This is phase two of calling that God called me and then I call upon His Name. I die to self and I come alive to Him. That's the second phase of calling. Me calling on the Name of the Lord. It is the Gospel, the new identity, the new nature. It is a kingdom heart. As it says in the book of Ezekiel, I would take from you a heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. It's a brand new nature. A brand new nature. Ephesians 2, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins and the ways that you used to walk. But God, who is rich in mercy, has made you alive in Christ. Yeah? How good is that? So my old nature was death and my new nature is life. I am found in Him. I am, we are the elect of God. We are found in Him. Praise the Lord. As we call upon Him, as He draws us to call upon Him, we go from death to life. I'm already out of my slides. Second Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. It is a new nature. That God has called us into that new nature. That is the primary call of God is that you are going from death, that you are going from people who were far from God to being a people who are near to God. You know, Ephesians 2.13, where it talks about nearness, that He's brought us near to Him. In fact, we, we could just read the book of Ephesians and probably Romans and actually probably most of the New Testament. All of it speaks to this beautiful reality that, what God has done for us in Christ. He has given us a God-shapen identity. It's not just about what you do. It's not just about when you talk about calling, it's not about, oh gee, hmm, what abilities do I have? How can I make this happen? How can I please God? No, in Christ, God is pleased with you because He's pleased with His Son. On that last day when He says, well done, good and faithful servant, it's not because you, you impressed Him with your like, oratory ability or the fact that you helped someone. No, it's because He's pleased with the finished work of His Son on the cross and we are a new nature in Him. So He sees His Son, He sees you through His Son and says, wow, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter your rest and we get to be like, yes, <laughs> praise the Lord. So the work is the overflow of the calling of election. Are you with me? It's a God-shapen identity. As I said, Ephesians 2. And that, friends, those first two is what then flows into this third phase, which I'm gonna call vocation, right? The idea of the thing that we do, the stuff that we do. The first two phases are the, are the, the two phases that actually determine the third phase. They direct the third phase. If all we do is focus on this, what we do, we will be stressed and we will feel like, what the heck am I gonna do? Yeah? 
But when we understand who we are in Christ and what He has done, this becomes a joy. This becomes a blessing. This becomes something that is beautiful and true. And here's what I want you to understand. Because when I said God shapen, I could see some of you looked at me, I already preempted this, and you were like, David, I don't think shapen is even a word. <laughs> when I put that in my notes file on my phone, because you're all taking notes, I know you are. It had a little red squiggly line under it. What are you, you can't just make up words. It is a word. And here's the definition. Shaping is fashioned in or provided with a definite shape. Fashioned in or provided with a definite shape. So God shapen means God has fashioned in us and provided us with a definite shape. What am I talking about? This is where we lunch off Eric Rees' book when he talks about our, our God shape, yeah? Anyone read that book before? He talks about how do we discover our vocational calling? He says, well, look at your shape. He says, spiritual gifts, S. Following me? S-H-A-P, shape, yeah, good. Spiritual gifts, what are the things that God's put on you? What is the spiritual gift that God has given you? And there's all sorts of different tests you can do to kind of and talk to people and pray and go, Lord, what have you put on me? Heart, that's like our passion. What does your heart burn with? You know, are you someone who walks into a, into a room and you're like, yes, people. I can't wait. To, I know someone who just laughed. Who, that's absolutely her. Yes, I'm going to hug someone today. I can't wait. Are you passionate about, or are you someone who, who looks at the injustice in our world and you're like, come on, I'm going to, that's the, something that burns in my heart. Are you someone who the music starts playing? You're like, oh, here we go. Like, are you passionate about singing praise to God. I don't know, everyone, there's so many things you could be passionate about. Maybe you're passionate about horse racing. I don't know. Like, what are you passionate about? What has God put on your heart? That's something God, like it's a hint of what God wants you to do. Yeah? Abilities. What are you good at? Not what do you think you're good at, that you're not actually good at, that you want to be good at. What are you good at? Like we love to do these ability tests. We're like, oh, I'm really good at this. And someone next to you is like, oh, I'm not sure that you are. <laughs> That's why when you do these tests, you should always talk to someone else and get someone else to actually speak into it. Yeah? Yes? Come on. Abilities. Personality. Like I think God, like we've got to realise that we are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God that God has uniquely shaped each person here with a specific personality. And sometimes in the church, we actually believe a lie. We actually believe that because my personality is different from that person's personality, there's something wrong with me. And especially, can I just name this, especially for introverts. Introverts, normally if it was the extroverts, they'd be like, amen, they would have said that. <laughs> but sometimes as introverts, and I'm not one, but sometimes as introverts, you walk into a room and there's this expectation that because I'm not being like an extrovert, there's something wrong with my personality. There's not. You are made in the image of God. Your personality will reach someone who an extroverted personality can never reach. And sometimes as extroverts, and I've felt this in certain denominations, you walk in where everyone's being super introverted and really super reflective, 
They're like, oh, you know, we just need to pause for, oh my goodness, can we, if we pause any longer, I'm gonna fall asleep. Can I be totally honest with you and vulnerable? I'm, I feel I've gone way off track, but you know, I was at one of these introverted reflective conferences and we had time And an hour later, they were all sitting on chairs and I was asleep on the stage. Because <laughs> they said, go and have time. And I sat and I was like, I wanna do something. All right, I'll just try and rest. And I fell asleep, truly. And they're all looking at me like, oh, that's really cute and funny. And I was like, it just wasn't my jam. But we all have different personalities, you know? And that's good, that's godly. And the church is supposed to be a body of believers who are filled with all different sorts of people. And what's so good about the church? That we get to be different, but we get to, in our difference, reflect something of the image of God. Experience, like what has God taught you in the past? All of this is this kind of way that we can begin to say, well, what has God called me to? But here's the thing, and I love Eric Rees, but I'm sorry, Eric, you've missed something. Because we talked about that election calling being a God-shapen identity fashioned in his hand, it's missing something. It's missing an N. And that N stands for need. Because God, when He calls us, when He brings us into relationship with Himself, brings us into the church. By the church, I mean big C, the church. You cannot be a Christian and not be a part of the church. The church is His body. To say I love Jesus and I hate the church doesn't make any sense. He is the head of His body, right? Just to love Jesus but hate the body doesn't make any sense. I've said this before, you know, a husband doesn't marry the head of his bride and say, I don't want the body. You marry the whole thing. To be in Christ is to be in the church, to be a part of the church. And the church, friends, has needs. And so a part of that calling, that vocational calling is, yes, God's fashioned me a particular way. He's given me a shape, but also recognise that I am God's shapen. And a part of that calling is simply to meet a need. You were saying amen before, you're not saying amen now because we don't want to hear that, but it's true. We're called to meet a need, spiritual gifts, but we need to consider the need. Don't believe me? Let's get back into the Bible. Get back and look at, let's go to Acts chapter six and let's look at Stephen. Everyone say Stephen. Watch this. I'm gonna start, I'm gonna start at verse eight and then we'll go a few verses before that. But let me paint the picture of Stephen. What do you need to know about Stephen. Stephen, verse eight, a man full of God's grace and power, and he performed great wonders and signs among the people. Verse 10, the people could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave Stephen as he spoke. That's who Stephen is, that's his God shape. A man full of wisdom, a man full of power, an incredible orator, someone who could debate the pants off, the best debaters. Like this guy was seriously gifted in leadership. That's Stephen, right? 
Watch what he does. Go back at the start of chapter 6. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and of wisdom. We will turn the responsibility over to them and we will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. The proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen. How did Stephen's ministry begin? He waited on tables. Why? Why? Because there was a need. And Stephen understood that calling is not just about him and his capacity, but calling is about his election in Christ, knowing who he is in Christ, knowing that God has saved him from a wretch to be a part of the church. And therefore there was a need and like Stephen's like, here I am, send me. I will go low so that you can be lifted high. And one of the issues we have, I I have told this story before, I was a part of a church community where we were, we had an event on on a Monday, we finished church on Sunday night and we had to clean out, this church had pews, big long wooden pews, which are heavy as anything. We had to clear the whole thing out, right? It was probably an hour's work. And we're all starting to move and there was this one guy standing there, not doing anything. I was like, mate, can you give us a hand? And he looked at me and I'm not even joking. And he goes, Dave, he goes, That's not my calling. (laughs) It's not my gifting. So I'm just going to stand here and pray over the event. I was like, you can pray after, mate. (laughs) Help me move a chair for goodness sakes. Like there was a need, you know. And it's not a bad thing. We should be praying. We should be operating in our gifts. Yes. But sometimes you've just got to meet the Need, are you with me? Because our primary calling is an election calling, the calling to God's kingdom mission, which is ultimately to make disciples. And because of that, we must never fall into the trap of thinking that our call always aligns with our desires. Let me put this another way. When our vocational slash ministry calling flows from that election calling, that new identity, mountains move, yeah? When what we do is the overflow of what He has done, nothing is impossible for God. The church is mobilised like an animal as we see in the book of Acts and the world is turned upside down. But watch this, when our vocational slash ministry calling goes before that election calling goes before what God has done. Sin crouches at the door. Pride can creep in and our vocation or our ministry or even our vocational ministry can become the idol we worship instead of the offering of worship. It has to flow out of our God-shapen identity. Otherwise, it's about me and it's not about Him. Amen? And if it's about me, it's an idol. If it's about Him, it's worship. 
So when we think about calling, the call is, how do I serve you, Jesus? It's a discipleship calling. And friends, this is where it's so freeing because as the Word tells us in Colossians 3, and whatever you do, In word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Friends, it's a really big paddock. Again, we believe this lie. We think like the Garden of Eden where there's this one tree where God's like, don't do that. Everything else is good. Jesus is the narrow gate. I go through Christ. Yes, it's narrow. He is the way, the truth and the life. But through Him, guess what? The truth sets you free. There is a free paddock. We don't have to be like, oh Lord, what if I do the wrong thing? What if I do this, but you really wanted me to do that? And if I, if I do this, then I miss out on that and I could miss out on that. I could miss out on that. That's not how God works. He's like, if you're in me, in whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Guess what? Blessing resides there. Favour resides there because it's about building disciples. So you might start over here, you know, building houses And God might just bring someone into your sphere. You get to minister to them. God stirs your heart. Oh, I feel like maybe I'm gonna step into that. Just obey, just be like, hey, it's okay to take a risk. If you're in Christ and you step out in an honest faith to to serve Him and love Him, if something doesn't work, what's the worst thing that can happen? It doesn't work. Big deal. Try again. I say this to our staff all the time. It's like, we tried something. Did it work? Maybe not. Who cares? We tried it. Let's do something else. (laughs) It's not like God's sitting there going, oh, you missed my calling. No, you're in Him. So serve Him with an honest heart that says, I just wanna love you, Lord, and I'm gonna operate in these things, serving the need out of my God shape for your glory. It's so freeing. Can I tell you that? It's so freeing. It's so freeing. Whether you're a stay-at-home dad, stay-at-home mum, whether you're studying, whether you're like, there's so many things. Serve Him and He will bring His name glory through you because we are called to humble service, not to be served. If Jesus did it, He came to serve, not to be served then we're the same. All right, let's keep rolling. Kids are getting out of here. All right, so what does that mean for us? I'm so far behind these notes. I told you you had to be patient with me. So what does that mean? This is a discipleship calling. And that's where this aligns with us as a church. What do we talk about? That we are in the business of making disciples. This is why, this idea of calling is why we do what we do. We meet on a Sunday, not to put on an event. We meet on a Sunday to make disciples. We sing, not because people like to sing, but because that's a part of worship to make disciples. We do coffee because it's fellowship. It's about making disciples. Everything we do is about making disciples. It's about entering this cycle, the belong, believe, become and build. All of it is a part of discipleship. It's not linear, it's cyclical. We talk about it all the time. This is what we're talking about. This, I am chosen in Christ. He begins to transform who I am. And this results in the things that we do. Chosen in Christ, 
informs who I am, changes me, transformed by the renewing of my mind, releases me into what we do. Now, I'm gonna close in a second. But as we do, I wanna offer you a little bit of a helpful picture, okay? Picture and imagine for a moment the church is a train. Right? You with me? Church is a train. What's the purpose of a train? To go somewhere. You want people to get on board and you wanna take them somewhere. As a church, we want people to know Christ. We need to invite people on this journey of discipleship. So as a church, we say we have a vision and a mission. That vision, Jesus glorified, lives transformed and hope revealed. How do we see that happen? Make disciples. That's our mission, make disciples. Everything we do, enter that cycle of discipleship. Now, how do we know that that's happening? We talk about our core values. We talk about this idea that we have tracks that keep us on the right path. And what we wanna see is that people are Christ-centred, biblically based, Holy Spirit empowered. People are prayerful, servant-hearted, authentic, generous, all of this from the Scripture. If people are not Christ-centred, if people are not in the Bible, if we just start preaching whatever, you know, if we're not praying, that's a pretty good sign that we're off track. But when we're seeing that in people's lives, Holy Spirit fruit, we know that we're on that journey towards making disciples. And we talk about having kingdom priorities, things that we're focusing on, this, the vocational call, the stuff we do so that God can do what only He can do and make disciples. So for us, we wanna lead people to a place of intimacy with God. We wanna focus on pastorally caring for one another. We wanna focus on having missional impact. We wanna focus on having a presence in our community, not just the church, but around us. We wanna focus on growing leaders and we wanna focus on building households of faith. As we do those things, as that's the vocation, the stuff we do, we know that God will do what only He can do. And so as a church, we wanna invite all of us into that discipleship journey. We wanna invite everyone into their calling. And it begins obviously with God and then releasing you into your God-shapen identity. That is our heart to make disciples. That is our heart. That is why we do what we do. And so a part of that is giving all of you space and opportunity to serve. It's giving everyone here a chance to run in their God-shapen identity, which means there's some needs which we ask people to step into, but actually our heart is to release you into your spiritual gift, your passions, your abilities, your personality and your experience. And we know that in a church like this, where there's lots of people and it's easy to walk through the doors and be like, well, there's nothing for me to do. That's a lie. There's a huge amount. And our heart is to release you. So what we're gonna do today, I'm gonna show you a video of some people who have stepped into that service. And they're just gonna share some of their testimony. Then QR code, and we've got hard copies at the back as well, an opportunity for you to fill out a bit of a survey and say, hey, here's what God's got on my heart to do. Some of that for you is like, here's my passion. This is how I wanna step in and serve. 
fill it out, then we're gonna get in contact with you and say, right, we need to release you into your God shape and identity so you can grow in your discipleship walk and also help others grow in theirs. Is that good? We don't want anyone sitting here being like, there's nothing for me to do. That's not true. There's so much to do. And if you're like, well, none of this stuff fits my God shape, guess what? There's an enormous number of needs. Children's ministry, production, uh, sweeping the floors, setting up chairs, running with pastoral care, making meals. We could go on and on. There are so many needs. My heart is that we as a church would step up and walk in our calling. Amen? So let's have a look at some testimonies of service and I hope they encourage. When you're in a team, there's so much more power and the power of the team of people praying for a particular need has made a difference in the lives of people who have been prayed for. God has answered some miraculous prayers and God is faithful to his promises. He asks us to pray for needs and healing and we do that. And as a team, I think we, strength, we are strengthened by each other and by their prayers. I feel like it brings me closer to Jesus because it, um, it brings me to the Word in, in preparation and things like that. Um, it, you get encouragement from the relationships you form. What I love about serving is that it's obviously helped me develop deep relationships with people at church a lot quicker than it would have happened if I didn't serve. I'm not a, I don't like putting myself out there or meeting new people. Um, but yeah, it just helped me grow closer with Christ because I've got people constantly checking in, um, following up if I happen to not be there on a Sunday or if I don't seem to be myself. And yeah, I just love being part of a team and a community that just always, con they, we back each other. Yeah, it's really special being able to be part of what's happening at Hills. Jesus set us the example. He has a servant heart, had a servant heart. And um, I, I know I've always served wherever I've been at church because we are to be the hearts and hands of Jesus. And not just in the church, but in life in general, everywhere we go. I serve because Matthew 5, 14 to 16 says, you're a light to the world and a city on a hill should not be hidden. So go and shine your light to all of the world so that they may see who you are or your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So I strongly believe that that light that comes into our lives when we know who Jesus is uh, was designed to shine out to others, that we actually, that love is fulfilled in us when we pass that on to others. Um, so that's the reason why I serve. Um, and that's, I think, why it's important for us, you know, to actually ask ourselves, how can I make a difference to someone else, whether it's through an informal conversation whether it's through joining a team, just having that um, that mindset after church that says, I, I want to try and find someone I haven't met before um, and, and make sure I get to know someone different, um, just to shine that light um, in response to how we're called to be. One thing that's really encouraging is, you know, the, the vulnerability of, of some of the kids when they're, they're coming in and um, they're not comfortable yet, you know, they don't want to leave their parents and things like that. And when you break through that barrier and um, you create this, this space or, you know, they're, they're comfortable 
uh, to come back um, the next week and, and you see the joy in their eyes and um, yeah so it's it's those those little wins that can be really good so many ways that serving's been important in me understanding more about who God is and who Jesus is um, think back to the road to Emmaus where uh, the disciples were walking along and they, they were walking with Jesus but they actually hadn't noticed it was him yet um, and when he left they said oh, didn't our hearts burn within us as we were walking with him and there's so many times that I look back on when I've served whether it's through Kairos prison ministries or in church in a worship team or in youth leadership um, where I look back and I go didn't our hearts burn when we were involved in that because it was actually Jesus walking alongside us we we're actually making a difference in the life of someone that I believe that the kingdom or eternity has changed because they've come to know Christ. And that's, they're the moments that I come back to and say where your heart burns within you go, that's what it's all about. It's about us connecting with God and enabling others to connect and encouraging others to connect as well. And that's, that's the fire that burns. Church, our heart, the reason we exist is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Full stop. That's it. In order to do that, we long for you to walk in your calling, to know that you are chosen by Him, to hear, hear Him calling you, to encounter Him and say, yes, I want to respond, to allow Him to begin to transform us and shape us and guide us and lead us from that place of belonging into that place of transformation and faith. And a part of that is to then walk out that God shape and identity, to do what He has called you to do. We're created in Christ Jesus to do the good works which He prepared in advance for us to do. So what we wanna give an opportunity for now, if you are someone here who has not responded to that call of God, if you don't yet know Jesus, we would love to welcome you into the family. We would love to pray with you. We would love to talk to you. We would love to connect with you, band. You can come up and we'd love to bring you into a revelation. Well, pray with you as He brings you into that revelation. And we'll have some people team up here or down the back who you can talk to. If you're someone who's feeling like you just need to connect with some folk, scan the QR code on the back of that chair or grab a form from the back, I think maybe we can hand some around and say, look, I wanna connect. And you know, one of the best ways to connect is to serve. Jump on board. As we build together, we belong together. So fill out, scan the QR code, go to the serving survey, take a moment and say, look, this is what God's given me to do. This is what I'd love to do. Meet a need, meet a need. Say, I'm gonna help out here, here and here because there's a need. Again, children's ministry, we need people to step up. Production ministry, we need people who are willing to lend a hand. Serving in terms of setup, uh, in terms of pack down, cleaning, we need people to lend a hand. Lots of need, few people. Get involved. And I know that as you do, you will sense a deeper sense of belonging. And you will grow as a disciple, which is the reason we exist. So I'd love to invite you to take five minutes. Band's going to play. Take five minutes. Fill it out. You can talk with people around you while that happens, whatever you want to do. 
but take some time and let's get involved that we might make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen? Because that's the call of God. The call of God to grow as disciples. I will also say, as a part of that, uh, on that survey there's a Connect card. If you want to explore baptism, if you want to explore child dedication, those things, please use this time to fill that out as well. Say, yep, that's me. I'm in. Let us know and we'll connect with you and do that. Is that good? All right, take five minutes. We'll give you a chance to fill that out right now and then we'll stand together and sing our last song. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people and boldly share the gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.